live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. You applaud the Rebel Alliance and the traitor. Take it away. On this May the 4th, yes, we have Star Wars things ahead through the show. Particularly at 8.30, Eric's got a very special 5Q. Five questions for the director of the documentary that is screening tonight at Wonky Film. The documentary is about the special. The holiday special that was the worst thing imaginable. And that's the subject of that. So I promise you plenty of Star Wars in this hour, but serious topic to start out the show today, looking for your input and thoughts and a broad conversation about what is happening at campus at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. The question, can you throw someone out of a public university for being a jerk? Or is it more than that and more serious and all of the other tangents that go along with this story. It's fascinating, and it's playing out on the UW campus. No justice! No peace! No justice! No peace! No justice! So right now, black students and supporters at UW-Madison are outraged with the university because they say UW should be doing more to respond to someone who is purported to be a student at UW who goes on, I don't want to call it a rant, it was more just sort of this free-flowing anger and racist screed yes there you go perfect term for it racist screed where she is in what appears to be a room just a few people in there so imagine you and a couple other people in the room and one of the people in the room just starts going off dropping n-bombs and racial slurs and talking about how she wants to see slavery reinstated because she would like to abuse black people it was just awful filthy stuff But she wasn't in a public square. She wasn't saying it to someone. It was just appeared to be among friends or people she knew. Somebody was recording this and somebody uploaded it to social media and it exploded. The Black Student Union and other groups on campus want to see UW throw her out of school. We don't want it. That's that's not the big issue at hand. The big issue is making a statement, removing her off this campus, because not removing her is saying that it's okay to say these things to us. Is not removing her saying it's okay, or is the university, which hasn't necessarily issued any final guidance on this, but heretofore has not said we we don't see grounds to throw someone out for this. And what does all of that mean? What about other situations? Is it a matter of free speech? Is it a matter of hate speech? What's the line between that? Like this crosses on so many of those different areas. 30,000 students have now signed a petition demanding that she be expelled. So I want to bring another voice into the conversation with us here on Wisconsin's Morning News. Kyle Wallace is our teammate, director of content at 1017 The Truth. Thanks so much for being here, my friend. Thanks for uh, asking me to join you this morning. So a couple of reasons that I asked Kyle to join us today. First, obviously, the conversation that's going to happen over on 1017 The Truth is probably going to sound a little bit different than the conversation that we're going to have with the voices that we had in this room with Eric and me. So there is that. I'd like your perspective. I don't ask you to speak for all African-Americans, but you're my black teammate here, and I wanted to bring you in for that reason. Also, Kyle has worked in higher education before and probably has that lens on how institutions handle things like this as well. So I look forward to, to what you can offer. 
Yeah, kind of going to that. I used to work at Marquette University. There was a situation back in 2020 where there was a admitted student, not enrolled, admitted student. I remember that. On yes. Her social media, uh, who actually talked about, you know, with the George Floyd situation, was upset about people kneeling during the national anthem and said, "Is it okay? You know, I'm gonna. It's not okay to kneel, and you know, I'm gonna kneel on your neck like George Floyd in the sense of that, or kneeling your neck." And she used kind of language at that time that was really heightened with the George Floyd situation. And because that student was not an admitted student to the, excuse me, was not an enrolled role student to the university, you could rescind that student's admission. That was clear cut, easy to do. In this scenario here, it is a little bit different because this is a enrolled student who does have the freedom of speech to really say, as you say, you can be a jerk all you want on campus. So what the university in my eye has to do is the university has to take a stand in the sense of did what she say put anybody in harm's way? And nowadays, and I don't want to get too much talking about Gen Z or anything like that, but mental health is real. And verbiage like that, when you're talking about maybe taking people out to fields to pick cotton, to drive them out and die, though it all may, things she said in yeah, that video, which yep. may not seem like, oh, is she really going to take any black person or in that word using the N word? Is she going to take anybody really out to the field and drive them out? Probably not. But. Harm doesn't always have to be physical. It can also be emotional as well. And so that's why I think the university has to take a deeper look to understand, is her harm more than physical? And with these students, 30,000 students signing the petition, the students from the Black Student Union at uh, UW-Madison having a list of demands that they handed to, the, I believe, the, maybe the chancellor. Um, but they have to really look and see what is it that, that they can actually do without legally putting themselves in jeopardy of being sued. I think even beyond legal jeopardy, too, there's this larger question of what gets you thrown out of a public university? I mean, and, and you know, what if somebody then in, on a different day goes off on a rant about people who are overweight and says mean, awful, terrible, hateful things? I got people close to me who struggle with weight. And when things are out there in the universe with fat shaming and other things, like they take that personally, even if it's not directed at them. So that can be harmful. Do we extend then to that? Now, I don't want to make an absurdity over the race issue, but like, do we extend how far do we extend out what you say amongst people and what you might have in your heart in terms of whether or not we can allow you to go to school at UW? No, that's a, that's an absolutely great question. And I did a little research and looking at other universities that had scenarios and situations where they use certain speech. Now, when it comes particularly to the fat one. Fat shaming is a terrible individual fat shaming people. But saying, hey, I'm going to run over with a car. Or I'm going to chase fat people and run them over if I to make them lose weight. And right, if right, right. I run them over it's because they're too fat, then that might be a little bit of threat that might cause some type of mental pain and stress on people. So would that be grounds to potentially expel somebody? That's up to institutions. But Purdue University in 2020, they had a student who made some type of racial speech. And initially they did suspend the student and then they went back and they expelled the student. Stanford has some cases. I'm looking here. Uh, University of Oklahoma had two fraternity students that started a chant, a racist chant. And it was you know, on campus, but it was at a fraternity house and they ended up expelling those students. So there has been something that has been done at other public institutions where students have been expelled. And then the last thing I'll say before I pass it off here is that when you look at UW-Madison's non-academic misconduct occurring on or outside of campu uh, campus, they have here, it says the conduct indicates that the student presented or may present a danger or threat to the health or safety of the students or others. Health or safety, Health. I don't yeah. – exactly. That's, and so that's why I'm saying UW-Madison may, a couple days from now or next week, may look back and this student may not have a spot at the institution next year or they may just suspend her off campus and say that, hey, you had to take online classes. You can't be anywhere on campus because of the threat that you pose. The unfortunate part of all, about all of this is the amount of attention now this is giving to 
what appears to be a racist idiot. And they, you know, that this gets online, and now it's been seen so much more. So then you start talking about the mental health issue. Now it's just exploded into where it's out there. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing it now. I see it on the timeline. And, and whether it's bleeped out or not, it's still there. And that's the most unfortunate part about all of this is that here's this moron who, who said these silly things, and now it's getting replayed over and over and over and over again. And now you talk about mental health, and this young lady is not a victim. But even within the rhetoric and language that you use and people are now now she has already has mental health issues, obviously, in this video uh, with her crying and saying these things. Now she's going to have to deal with other things of people coming down and condemning her. And now she's putting herself in a situation where this may not be a healthy environment for you to be in for the next. She's only a sophomore for the next two to three years. You want to be in this environment where you're going to be constantly talked about and chastised based off maybe a mistake, maybe racism coming out. But this is something that she's going to have to deal with where she has to think about her family has to think about what's best for her life. Well, I I think that's interesting as well, because this is a problem that's going to take care of itself in terms of UW. I can't imagine this student continues there at UW, at least in the in the short term, probably long term. Right. We're going to find some other place. So it might just take care of itself as it pertains to this particular individual. Other thing I wanted to ask you about, though, what, what might be happening inside the institution, Kyle. And we're talking with Kyle Wallace. He's director of content at 1017 The Truth. He also has uh, work history in higher education, worked at Marquette and handled issues like this. So what is going on there at UW-Madison right now? Because sometimes in the situation, whether you're talking about a police department, whether you're talking about decision to charge someone with something, whether you're talking about disciplinary action, sometimes institutions ultimately get to a different conclusion than they're at right at the moment. Right. So this could maybe these conversations are playing out. This might not just be the end of it with UW. I don't know. I work in the admissions office and the conversation admissions office are very, very different than when it comes to actual conduct that happens on campus, because that is beyond us. But I I do know in scenarios that I experienced there at uh, at Marquette, because there were students on campus that were already enrolled and things happened, is that typically the first thing they say is they're not going to rush to judgment. They're not going to rush to make a decision. So I do believe there's going to be something else, as you said, that's probably going to come because there's so many things that you have to go through before you make any decisions, because, again, Lawsuits are real, and none of these universities want to face those lawsuits. 819 on Wisconsin's Morning News. We'll take your thoughts on this. Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Question I'm asking, what should happen to this student? Should she, over the objections of tens of thousands of people who've signed this petition, over the objections of black students and their supporters on UW campus, should be should she be allowed to stay at UW, or is UW right to throw her out. 819 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-two on Wisconsin's Morning News, trying to tackle a tough topic. We have a student at UW Madison who is on video posted to social media using a lot of racist words, talking uh, I mean it's indefensible speech. So the exercise here is not to try and defend what she said or anything like that. It's a matter of now Can UW-Madison throw her out of school as tens of thousands of people are demanding, having signed an online petition? You have the Black Student Union, other black groups on campus demanding that she be thrown out of school for things that she said. What makes this a little bit interesting is she said these things in private. She wasn't up in somebody's face at the student union threatening that person. So she's just in a conversation that one of her, I can't imagine, still friends... 
appears to have recorded and for God knows why posted on the internet and now it's out there. So what she said in private is out there now, but it wasn't said to anyone, which kind of changes the lens on it. Are you not entitled to hateful thoughts if you have them? There's no law against not liking people. From the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620 from the 414. What happened to free speech? That being said, I think it's absolutely ridiculous, but she said what she said, and she absolutely has the right to say it. Here's another one from the 262. When does hate speech and free speech become separate? I believe that's the issue. This is clearly hate speech, in my opinion, disgusting and horrendous. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. 855-616-1620. Let's uh, talk with Scott. Scott is online with us from South Milwaukee. Hi, Scott. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my phone call. On this specific topic, every I used to work in the in a university registrar's office for almost five years, and every university has a student code of conduct. That student code of conduct, whatever, it, it, dict, it specifies acceptable behaviors, whatever, in the academic setting. Because the student would have made these comments, whatever, outside of the academic setting, then the then UW Madison should not be expelling the student, whatever, from their whatever from their campus. If the if the students' peers or fellow students, whatever, want to ostracize or leave out the student, whatever, for the comments that she made, that may force the student, whatever, to say, "Hey, this this environment is is no longer for me, so I'm going to transfer whatever to another to another university." But in summary, university should not be expelling the student for that for that behavior that occurred outside the academic environment because it does not. Because the student code of conduct is not in is not in play anymore. But does it become in play when it becomes posted online for everyone to hear and see? No, because it's out because it, it's because it's not activities or it's not it's not speech that was made within a classroom, within a laboratory setting, within a student within a student organization that's sponsored by the university. Or even at anyone. That's that's where I come down on it too, Scott. But here's so now here's what what challenges my position on that. We just had Kylan and he was talking about, uh, you know, is it threatening speech? And when you start to get into that, now we've traditionally viewed that as does this person pose a physical threat? Does anyone on that campus think that she's actually going to go out and try to commit violent acts against African Americans? No. But as we focus more on mental health. Could a damage to the mental health of your fellow students actually be sort of that threat or that, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, or, have or that same that impact? At least yeah, give yeah, the school yeah, a reason. Yeah, right. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I understand, I understand what you're saying. I mean, but to me, I mean, if the student exhibits that behavior within the academic setting, whatever, then whatever, then 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 the university is free game, whatever, to to expel the student. But because even though the behavior was posted online, it was still whatever outside of the of the academic setting and not governed by the student code of conduct. Uh, great perspective, thank you, Scott. Scott in South Milwaukee chiming in on that. I th- you know, but it can go beyond that. So you know, and I'm I'm kind of with him on that. But then I, it does give me pause because now, to whom do you serve? Because there are now thousands of students on your campus who are made. Not just uncomfortable, and I, I get the whole snowflake argument. Listen, we need to be able to hear things that are offensive to us and just learn to deal. I tell my kids that all the time. Well, this one said this. We're like, just learn to deal. Like you have to learn to deal with speech and with things that you hear and see that aren't comfortable for you. So, does it go beyond a point though, where not only am I not comfortable, but if I'm a student here and I, say I was in a class with this person, asked to sit next to her, is my student learning affected? 
now by my inability to focus on class because I've got this hateful, awful person next to me who's you know a lightning rod for controversy now. And to whom does the university have to speak now? From the 414 in the old National Bank talk and text line, what would people think if this woman had said something about sexually assaulting little children, although she had never done it, didn't have any child pornography or anything like that? What would the thoughts be then just playing devil's advocate? Yeah, and, and you have to because whatever you do is going to be precedent setting. That's the other thing. This is a public university. So what the university does kind of sets a precedent for if you can get thrown out for saying something in private that gets posted on social media. And again, I don't want to debate the content of what she said, which I found personally abhorrent. Sure. It made me cringe. So without regard for that. If you can throw somebody out of a public university for stuff they said in private that got posted online, how far out do you want to carry that? Use the example that she said. Use the example of hate speech against other people. Use the example of what if, so what if it were an African-American student who said, who used hateful European slurs and said, I want to do terrible things to white folks. We're going to throw that person out? Are we going to throw out the fat shamer? Are we going to throw out the other people that makes people feel bad? And I'm not, I'm not being dismissive of it. I'm actually asking the question of what precedent do you set and how far out do you want to take it? From the 608, this is dangerous and not silly or being a jerk. She's being a racist and that is unacceptable and a threat. It is for the best that this was brought to the light because she still said it. And I'm sure that wasn't the first time. She clearly has those beliefs. 608 did not go on to say whether or not, I'm assuming that texture would say it's appropriate to expel that student. Yeah, and I, but, I, but I disagree that any racism is necessarily dangerous. There are hateful people of all walks, of all colors, of all genders who just don't like people. And while I personally don't care for that, while I've raised my children to be accepting of all people, if somebody wants to hate somebody, that's their business. It's not illegal. So that, that, that's where I come down. Like, again, would I, would I hope that my kid had... This girl as a roommate? Hope not. Would I have kids, if she were their friend, would I tell her to not be her friend? Of course I would. But well, what about this? We've gotten a couple of texts about this. What if? Uh, what about the person who posted the video? Do they hold a different level of responsibility? Man, that's a great question. What do you do to that person? Did, she, did he or she have permission to post the video? Did somebody think that was a good idea? What were you trying to do here? Maybe it was a person who was trying to expose are, her. Yeah, or, or are they displaying even more racism by even demonstrating that, by posting that? Ah, great question. A lot of questions ahead. I, I have to honestly tell you, I can't make a call on it. Like, I, I know that when we do the, the talk show, we're supposed to I think this and go ahead and disagree with me or whatever. It's, it's a challenge for me. I don't support any of the things she said. I found them personally abhorrent. It made me cringe. I think it's awful. It would surprise me, not at all, if this person is canceled entirely and has a tough time in life for years and years to come because of this one moment. That said, I, don't, I get real scared when we start cracking down on speech. And I think someone on the text line raised it. You know, what's the line between free speech and hate speech? You are entitled to hate people if you want to. You're not entitled to act on that in violent sort of way, but you are still entitled to dislike and to hate people and even to express that if you want. So what is the responsibility ultimately of this public institution? 831 in Wisconsin's Morning News. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away.
8.39 on Wisconsin's Morning News on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. And also with you. <laughs> right, there is no good rhetoric. There isn't. Yeah. Yes. You know we Son have of a to Han do. Solo. Yeah, you too. <laughs> now that it's May the 4th, you know what we have to bring back. Do it's, it. It's time. Got ourselves a 5Q. And now, time for the 5Q. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So 5Q is when we ask and answer questions about a specific topic. Usually it's something topical in the news or whatnot. And then we compare those answers with an expert. Well, today's topic, of course, is Star Wars. And our expert today is Steve Kozak. He is the director of the documentary A Disturbance in the Force. It's a documentary that screens tonight at the Oriental. It's part of the Milwaukee Film Festival at Focuses on that brutal, <laughs> that brutal primetime <laughs> holiday show special that ran back in 1978. So, Steve Kozak has recorded his answers already. So here we go with the five Q. Number one, who is the most underrated character in the Star Wars universe? Vince, you can go first. Salacious B. Crumb. <laughs> my dog looked like my old dog looked just like with the floppy ears and the pointy nose. Now who is that? He's uh, I think he's a spider monkey. He lives a, in Jabba the Hutt's folds. Yeah. And he like, <laughs> his whole thing he's is that he's, pet. he's the pet. Yeah, he's that little guy. Okay. Whoa. His whole yeah. purpose is to entertain Jabba. And if he doesn't, Jabba can destroy him. Okay. That's his deal. He's the most underrated, underrated. character. He's the most underrated. By the way, also making an appearance in the Mandalorian series. But we'll get to that another time. Spoilers. No, Jabba the Hutt is? No, 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 no. No. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Um, Salacious Crumb? No, he doesn't either, but you'll, anyone right. who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, okay, go ahead. I've got a couple. There's a toss-up between Galen Urso, the guy nice. who designed the, star, the, Death, the star, Death Star, or the rebel soldier that handed off the Death Star plans before the door closed. I'm take it, take it, take it. Both featured in Rogue One. <laughs> exactly. Well so, done. Yeah. Excellent. Deep cut. Excellent. I'm going to go with Admiral Akbar. Yes. <laughs> he's the one. He's leading that. He helped destroy the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. I'm saying Akbar. Our needs cruisers can't respect. repel firepower of that magnitude. So, what did Steve Kozak, our director and producer of that Star Wars documentary, have to say? Walrus Man. Walrus Man is yeah. the guy who gets his, his hand cut off in the cantina bar by Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes. He actually has a life after that in some of the. Uh, books that he and this guy who's with him and says he doesn't like you i don't like you either <laughs> those guys are like a duo and they have other adventures in the star wars universe yeah, they do. walrus man that's what's so amazing though about star wars every bug in that movie every critter every you know has also ran Backstep. in the background Backstep. has a name Backstep. and yep. has lore all right, number two of the five Q. What is the worst film in the franchise? Okay, well, mm, other than Revenge of the Sith, because I'm like, eh, The Last Jedi. Completely useless, the whole casino thing. Snoke <laughs> was a complete distraction. Honestly, just, eh. So The Last Jedi was episode eight. Yes, because there was the one right before the last yep, one, which yep. the last one tried to do everything it could to fix. <laughs> to undo what was the damage exactly. in eight. Exactly. Tough to argue with that, but I'm still going with one. 
totally the mishandled. Set it. Set the prequels on a really strange course. The kid, the young Anakin, was too cutesy, and da, 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 da. I didn't want him to be. You cute. like movie about trade wars, right? <laughs> trade and <laughs> Actually, political that, stuff. That was the best part of the film. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to say episode three. Is that the Sith one? I don't even uh, know. Uh, that, mm. It was the best of the prequels. Oh god, yeah. I was so disappointed at the end of that movie. It was so silly. What? Because Darth he got his Padme. And here, they, Padme dies from a broken heart. What is that? Come on, okay, she's a strong, independent woman. True. She's I, gonna. They're gonna kill her off that way from a broken heart. Are you the, kidding me? Yeah, I'll me? go with Come that on. one too. But I like the way that they did a lot of the continuity with the with the wounds on Attican's head and in his neck yeah. and stuff. And his face looks exactly like the one that died in uh, Luke's arms. All right, so what did our guy say? Steve Kozak, the director of A Disturbance in the Force, a documentary filming tonight, in the, or screening tonight in the Milwaukee Film Festival. Worst film in the franchise? This is an easy one. Rise of Skywalker. I remember watching it and hating it so much that you would never think could happen. I actually reconsidered, why do I even like Star Wars? That's how bad it is. Wow. It questioned my interest in the entire franchise. That's how much it sucks. <laughs> I think he doesn't like the way they treated the whole Luke and Leia portion of it. I get that. But that was one of my favorites of the, of the sequels. Well, in her passing away, Carrie Fisher dying probably didn't help. Didn't help. Yeah. Okay, number three of our five cues, Star Wars is our topic today. Jar Jar Binks, yay or nay? <laughs> Easy nay. Nay, but there is the uh, fan theory that he was a Sith Lord. And if you watch <laughs> it back again, you see him do all these weird moves. He's doing his hand movements. He's doing like all this stuff where he's like, and he never really truly gets hurt. He's like wobbling and stuff. But I think he's been trying to scuttle the <laughs> ship. I will say this. I could care less about him, but I'm going to say yay only because my kids have watched those movies and not once have they ever complained about him, thought of him in any way. They don't. Uh, you watch it as a child. You watch everything differently. They don't really care about him. So I'll, I'll go yay just because I don't want to be a hater. <laughs> All right, Mr. Kozak. Jar Jar Binks. Yay or nay? Nay. <laughs> nay from him. What else did you have to say about there it? There was so much hatred towards Jar Jar Binks. There is a shot when they're in the elevator where he kind of waves to the camera. He kind of looks at the camera. It's almost like he's giving the audience a little wink. And some people had described that as being like, that was George Lucas's way of saying, just because you don't like him doesn't mean I'm going to listen to you 100%. I still have him in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. I looked for it. I tried to find it, him waving at the camera in episode two. But yes, I, didn't I see actually it. saw he was in the crowd, though. He wasn't really. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like something Lucas would do. He eventually starts <laughs> warring with his own fans. <laughs> like, so in the movies. Come on, so man. So stubborn. All right. Number four of the five Q. Did Han Solo shoot first? Yes. Yes. I'm going to say no. What? The latest movie says he didn't, so I guess I'm oh, just going to have to go with that he didn't. I think he did. Okay, what do you think, Mr. Kozak? Of course he did, because that's the type of person he is. He's not a Boy Scout. Of course he shot first. I mean, it's so offensive to think that he was... Oh, such a frustrating issue. <laughs> Greta would not have missed at right. that range. So what happened was they changed the movie, right? The, the original movie he shot first. He shot the, the green guy Greta. in the bar. And mm -hmm. 
And but then they switched it so Greedo actually fired first. So then it was putting more solo on the defense, right? So you, they switched the movies, if you will. So Kozak and then got, they added McClunky. Yeah. Then he yells McClunky. <laughs> Kozak talked on that a little bit. In Indiana Jones, remember that great moment where he's having the fight with the other guy, and the guy's got the swords and he's dancing the swords around. Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Are you going to rewrite that too because it makes him look like he, you know, he wasn't threatened? Ridiculous. Greedo <laughs> <laughs> would not have missed at that short range, and he completely misses like even yeah, a burn yeah, a mark on point. the thing. So I think he shot him first, and then he <laughs> shot as he was dying. All right, last one. Question number five of the five Q: Which Star Wars character would you ask to be your co-pilot, Vince? Ooh, well, best pure pilot is Anakin. Everybody knows that, like, in terms of the pure skills. But I would still go Han Solo because he, because of the creativity that he uses to get out of Imperial entanglements. So he's my guy. All right. I'm going to say um, who I would ask to be my co-pilot would yep. be Poe or oh. Chewie. Oh, Poe Dameron. Oh. Poe or Chewie. Okay. Um, but as far as the one of the best, it would be either Poe or Anakin would be the best pilots. So, but I think Poe is, like... It's a bad, and he sounds like he would have a lot of cool stories to talk to you when you're driving. Chewy, underrated pilot, though. Yes, for sure. I like that poem answer. I'm going Anakin all day, all day, every day. I'm flying with Anakin. Okay, what about Steve Kozak, the director of the documentary A Disturbance of the Force, airing tonight in the Milwaukee Film Festival? I'd probably ask Chewbacca because I think Chewbacca is unemotional, and um, I would probably have more trust in Chewbacca because he was trained by Han Solo. I would say I'd have my faith in the Wookiee. <laughs> and there you go. He was emotional when, when yes. Han died. Yeah. Well, his friend died. Yeah, that you was never, emotion. You never I go against the Wookiee. Don't ever go against the Wookiee. Exactly. Brilliant. This has been your five QR thanks to Steve Kozak, the director and producer of A Disturbance in the Force. It's a documentary about that silly, silly primetime holiday Star Wars special that aired in 1978. You can see it tonight at the Oriental. In fact, I believe I checked earlier today, there's still some tickets available for that show tonight. And now, another inside look at the planning committee for the King's Coronation. Would it be entirely out of order to have His Majesty dance the gritty? This has been another look inside the planning committee of the King's Coronation. Eight fifty-three on Wisconsin's Morning News this Thursday morning. Just a matter of hours, a huge cruise ship is going to be coming to Milwaukee, first of the season. You're going to need a bigger boat. This is one of 31 port calls, uh, port of call visits that we'll get in Milwaukee this cruise season. Milwaukee's becoming a really popular cruise destination for these giant ships. The Viking Octantis is due this morning. A lot of Europeans show up, look the, around. Yeah, it's Germans really cool. and whatnot. So this thing can, uh, this giant ship is the one of the largest that can actually get through the locks and the St. Lawrence Seaway and, the, and then uh, the lock system that connects all of the Great Lakes. So this thing is huge, and one of my favorite things to watch, and so many people will go out there to watch it just sort of squeeze underneath the Hone Bridge. But I did talk with the director of Port Milwaukee, Jackie Q. Carter. She's like, well, it's, it's not as close to the bridge as you think. Yeah, it, 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 there is. It looks really close um, when you're far away, but there's, there's clearance. And those are things that 
we're, we're checking all the time. Even before vessels start to build or uh, companies start to build vessels, they're looking at the engineering and, you know, where they're able to go and those clearances. So there's people who are working on that on, on the other side before those ships ever see the waters. And we do have high lake levels right now. That's true. So there is that. So it'll probably look closer than, than it has before. She didn't sound very worried about no, it. No, she was not worried about it. So the Octantis, the arrival time is listed at 1130, Eric, for the port. Okay. So I would, what do you think, 11 o'clock if you got out there, you want to look at it, like coming in? Yeah, I think that sounds Should right. Should be about right. Uh, Port Milwaukee lists a few of the best spots to watch or pulling in. East Erie Street near American Family Insurance Amphitheater. So that's like if you were going to park at Summerfest, that far southern lot. You can pull down there and there are public spots to park and then watch it come in there. Harborview Plaza, end of Greenfield Avenue, or the Riverfront Boat Launch Site at 600 South Water Street. The Octantis due in 11.30 arrival time this morning. Boat race. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Eight fifty-eight on Wisconsin's Morning News. Steve Scafidi in the house. All right, take your shots. Go ahead. You want to make fun of Eric and me? No, I mean you guys. Our Star Wars you, stuff. You guys love the Star Wars. That's good. I mean, it's a geeky thing. I'm, I'm not really. In, I like Star Trek. That make me a geek too. That's, I guess. I, that's not at all geeky. Right? <laughs> the Shatner. You got to love the Shatner. Oh, the Shatner Star Treks are great. Oh yeah. Right, Wrath thanks. of Khan is one of the great movies of all Ooh, time. Good point. Mm-hmm. Man, when they put well those done. those things in those dudes' ears, I, I like nightmares. The, I like the fact that, yes, that, that was creepy. I like the fact that you're enthusiastic about your love for Star Wars. Now, it's also National Password Day. I'm going to celebrate that today. I'm actually, Are you I'm changing this, your password? I'm gonna, no, I'm not going to change it because I have really good, strong passwords. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about passwords, though. Like, okay. What would you think the most common password is? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, basically. It used to be password. Yep. <laughs> like 2011, 20, I was looking this up, 2011, 2012. Before the smartphone revolution, it was password or password one or like, is that as, as much as imagination as people can come up with? It's so antique to me. It's so archaic. Like in the world that we live in now, why we even have passwords at all doesn't make just, sense to me. I just love that Steve's really, really proud of his very strong password. Yes. <laughs> like that's something you're bragging I'm, about. And I got a strong password take, too. <laughs> hey, by the way, <laughs> thanks. To, I got a strong password. Thanks to Steve Kozak, the uh, producer and director of A Disturbance in the Force, the documentary about the uh, Star Wars special that aired in 1978 that was so bad. Documentary about it tonight at the Milwaukee film festival we have 30 minute interview with him it's fantastic it's online we also have a a trailer from their documentary and we have the special itself all online just text the word special to the old national bank talking to 855-616-1620 question is how fast did han solo do the kessel run 12 parsecs eric's right yeah I chimed in. Eric shouted out. So. I know you knew it. That's why I had right. to get in there. Worse! <laughs> <laughs>